Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are here talking about the top defensemen in the NHL today. Based on our research, it seems like we might have some pretty different lists on this one. There are a lot of guys that could have fit into the top five here. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'd actually be surprised, um, despite my what are apparently unconventional views on uh, what constitutes good defensemen in the NHL. Uh, I think when it comes to the top guys, I'm I'm pretty in line with most everybody else. I think. We'll see. I might not be. So, <laughs> but let's not waste any time. Let's jump let's, into number five here. I think. I think it's interesting uh, because you know I I got into a conversation earlier with some people and Rudo, you actually might have been there for that one, uh, where we we talked about you know when you're when you're judging defense, what even is defense? Yeah, and the entire concept of it seems to be a, a moving target for for everybody everybody looks at a defenseman and and values something different you know do you have you know do, is is brent burns a top five defenseman just because he scores so much that you just can't help it well for me the answer is no i mean obviously he's great at what he does and he's he's a phenomenal uh, offensive defenseman same thing with guys like morgan riley and tyson berry but i want somebody that's not a total sieve in their own end. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean those guys are bad players or whatever. It's just that in my personal preference, I want a guy that can mix in a high amount of scoring with also high level defense. And that's very difficult to find because even, even the highest of scoring guys give you very questionable defense at times. And it's, it's hard to find. It's hard to find a good defender that produces points. I so, don't disagree with you, but I will say that Brent Burns is in my top five. So. He's not on mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's he's not on mine, and I I didn't feel like I I was allowed to put him in my top five. Yeah. Uh, after told, after right. the way that I just drilled him over and over and over in the playoffs, uh, I honestly I wish I had the time to go back and just cut together all of the defensive gaps <laughs> that he made yeah, because there were 
so many of them that were <laughs> obvious where it was just like, oh my goodness, what is this? So it's, uh, yeah, uh, I just couldn't do it. I'm, I, I would have him in my top 10 somewhere and that's, the thing about these lists is that this could have gone 15 deep and it would have been fascinating. Right. I, I agree with you there. I had Burns at four. It, we're getting a little out of order here, but we're talking about him, so we might as well. Uh, it Yes, his defense is a problem, but his offense more than makes up for that for me. I, point per game defensemen across an 82-game season are, are special. You yep. don't get that very often at all. And Brent Burns just did that at age 34. Beyond that, he hasn't missed a game in five seasons, despite his age. And his point floor in those five seasons is 60 points. So that's good enough for me to put him in the top five, despite his defensive lapses. And I can't, I mean, I can't realistically argue with you. It's just a, it's just a spice of life thing, right? It's a, yeah, it's a flavor. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to get into more of that as this list goes on, I think, for sure. Well, absolutely. Uh, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the top of our list actually looked the same. Um, yeah. But it was, I, I did not have him on my list. I just couldn't do it with, uh, when I when I started digging into it, and I, I just was not comfortable putting him in my top five. Uh, if I was, you know, if I'm starting a team today, that's not a guy that I'm targeting and saying, yeah, I want, I want that guy. I just don't. He's he's great at what he does. Like, so I'm not sitting here saying he's a bad player. My goodness. I just, I just, there are a handful of guys that I, I prefer over him. I hear you. You, you want one of those can do it all. Number one, play a bajillion minutes a night type guys to build around. And he's not exactly that. Yeah, well, and I and I want, uh, you know, because he can play a bajillion minutes for you, but they're all in the offensive zone, you're right? And you're you're really, really, really hoping that the puck does not come the other way on him. Yeah, right. Because uh, it's not it's not good. There's you go and you look at any kind of the 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 big metrics. You know, you go into the, any of the fancy stats, and it's like, yeah, his offense is crazy. Yep. But the defense, my goodness. And that's been one of the big conversations over the last couple of years is, you know, the rise of shot, shot based metrics to, uh, to, to analyze players has given rise to, it's given a new value to offensive defensemen where it's like, well, Hey, you know, uh, the defense isn't very good, but He's not playing it very often, and he makes everybody around him better. When they're on the ice, he's still driving shot generation the other way. The best defense is a good offense, right? So that makes him one of the best defensemen. Uh, and and look, that's a perfectly valid way to look at it. As much as I value those metrics and I look at that stuff and I say this is important, uh, there, there are other things that I look for in defense too. I want guys who, who can play defense. You know, that's, uh, it's funny because I spent so much, I've spent so much of the last couple of years defending Tyson Berry to angry abs fans during games who were like, yeah, but he's <laughs> a defenseman. He's got to play defense, you know, like, and, and that's, 
it's a val- it's a valid point of view, but it's it's too frequently framed in such a way that it's like, oh, well, he's he's useless, right? You know, which is which is insane. It's an insane viewpoint. Uh, in in my opinion, it's an indefensible viewpoint. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> and and the whole offensive defenseman thing that's really where what i grappled with on my list here uh and and i think i i i did a decent job of of balancing them and the only pure offensive defenseman i had on my list was at five with eric carlson it, i'd like to say the only reason i have him at five the only reason he's not in my top two is because i think there are serious uh, foot problems there I agree. I was, I had him in my top five. I looked at everybody else and I went, those injury issues are going to kill him. Yeah. And I, I think he ended up at about seven for me, but it's just, you can already tell that he's not the player that he was and that doesn't get better. And then, and and then you look at the, how he produces and it didn't change much. Yeah. He's still incredible, but the big thing was the goals have disappeared. Yep. And that really makes me wonder what's left. You know, right. just just two years ago, just two years ago, he had 17 goals, and that was pretty normal for him. You know, since since his rookie year when he when he made the initial adjustment, he's been a double digit goal scorer in every season uh, that he's been healthy. Yeah, it, until I, the last two seasons in which he's combined for 12 goals. Last year he had three in fifty-three games, and then he only added two in the postseason. But at the same time, forty-five points in fifty-three games, sixteen points in nineteen playoff games, uh, and the way that he drives uh, play, I think, is in a way that is superior to what Burns provides. And I think Carlson is probably the best defenseman of this generation. Uh, but it's as of today with the foot injuries and, and the, the lower body stuff that he's dealing with. uh, I'm, that's the only reason I have him at five. I still have him there because he's still, I think he's still better than almost all the other guys. I only have four guys that I think are better than him, for example. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But there, but he is, he is definitely uh, on that edge where I could see he falls off hard. uh, If those injuries continue to mount up, Three years from now, we that contract might be the league's biggest albatross. Yeah, my worry there is the defensive ends. Before the injuries, his defensive side was decent to good, and now, especially on that left foot, he can barely turn on it defensively, and it's just it gets ugly sometimes. It gets to Brent Burns levels, and and that hurts him badly. Yeah, it certainly doesn't help. Um, but I think I think his defense is mitigated a little bit more. It is uh, than Burns. <laughs> yeah, than Burns. Where I think Burns is just a nightmare, dude. I think he's that's he's just a guy that if you if you look at the actual like shot generation and and how it balances out, Carlson is still driving elite level play even with his issues. Yeah, Burns uh, is definitely more of a volume guy than. Yeah, and and I mean, I just think I think Carlson is just in a different caliber. Yeah, and I then of course, that's... like, but health and and production, right. all of that, of course, it matters. We say almost every show at this point that availability is a skill, and his is questionable. 
Whereas yeah. Burns has been an absolute Iron Man, as you alluded to already. Right. It's there's a lot of factors going into this. Like we said, defense isn't. It's not clear what a defenseman is, and sometimes when you get a defenseman like Burns, I would say it's definitely fair that his defense sometimes makes me want to drink. So. It's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they have also just released that new beer, Strawberry Sky. That one I know you guys already love. I've heard a couple people get back to me even saying that it was a very good beer. For you beer enthusiasts, they're calling it a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for the Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on BSN Denver. Speaking of which, Friday we are still doing that bar crawl through downtown Denver where we will be drinking these Breck beers, and you'll be able to RSVP to that on the site at bsndenver.com, so come on out and have a good time drinking Breck beers with us. All right, so I had Burns at four. You had Carlson at five. My number five was a guy that I was really disappointed to put here because I do not like him at all, but it was Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty was my sixth. He He was my first cut. Yeah, I don't blame you for cutting him. I really wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. He's that type of player that I think the defense is there compared to someone like Brent Burns. I don't think it's elite level defense, but I think it is super solid. And he puts up solid production on the other side as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, he had 45 points this year, a bit of a downturn and minus a billion or whatever. But that's on a horrible minus 34, I think is what it was. Yeah. Yeah, so that really doesn't look good, but wow. then you remember that the Kings were a straight dumpster fire all year, yeah. and he was their third highest scorer as a defenseman, so it's it's hard for me not to put him there, and as much as I hate his attitude, the he's a good agitator. whining and the blue, blue, blue all the time, man. Like, what a, what a fantastic player that just won't shut up. Yeah, it's. I don't think I would like him in real life, but he gets under people's skin with that too, and you can see it. It works. It does. I mean, it, he's effective, and he's and and that's why I had him sixth. You have him fifth. Uh, he's really, really effective in a lot of different ways. The guy, the, he's. I think he's really, really good defensively. When you talk about kind of how you want your modern day defender to play. Yeah. He's not a guy that's overly physical, but he can engage physically if he needs to. Uh, but it's all about immaculate stick work and gap control, you know, cutting off the offense before it really gets a chance to set up and get going. Right. You want guys, as I put in my Bowen Byron film room last week, which you should definitely go watch. That's what you're looking for in a franchise defenseman today. You want guys who are aggressively defending your blue line and making plays with the puck and pushing it the other direction. Not just guys who are big and they hit people and 
oh, well, they separated from the puck. You want to shut down offense before it even gets started. It's why those the rise in the stat, stats work, uh, that guys that that the, the trackers and all those individual guys that are out there doing that work is so important. Yeah. Uh, they're measuring, you know, who's defending the blue line and who's forcing the dump ends and who is defending, uh, you know, what's what's the rate in which they're breaking up possession. All those different numbers that are getting that we're starting to see more of in the last few years, giving us a really good idea of, of the guys that defend that uh, defend those zones well. And I think I'd have to go look, but I would imagine Dowdy does pretty well there because he's a guy that has the ability to uh, break up offense at the blue line, but also get deep into his, into his zone and retrieve pucks and quickly move them. He has the, uh, he's got that skill. And as a two way defenseman, man, there's very few in the league that offer up what he does. Yeah. I, I think his his transition game out of the defensive zone is is one of the best there is. And we've talked about it in weeks prior. Blocking shots is great, but that means you don't have the puck and the other team is shooting on your net. Yeah. And that's the type of play that Dowdy prevents is your team has the puck with Dowdy and you're moving it to their offensive zone. Yeah, uh, he is... I'm really the only. I think the reason I had him outside of my top five was because I am curious if last year, uh, if his poor play was a, a symptom of the poor team or one of the causes. And that's a fair concern. I, I put him in in the symptom category, but it very well could have been a cause. If he comes out and has another weak year, then yeah, he shouldn't be in the top five. We start to look at last year as okay. Well, maybe this is the beginning of something worse. Right, exactly. You know, if, this, if that's the beginning of a real downturn, then oh my goodness. <laughs> Only eight years to go. Yikesers. All right, so that's my five and four. Who did you have it for? Uh, my four was Dougie Hamilton. Okay. And this is where I know I'm going to lose some people. Definitely uh, not my top five. <laughs> but his defense, I think, is among the absolute the absolute tops in the NHL. Uh, I think I think his defense is phenomenal, and his size and his ability to use it and and, and I wish he would engage physically a little more often than he does. But I think he's incredible, uh, and and he had a down year on offense. But it was in assists. This is a guy who just had, he had a career year in goals. He had 18 goals this season. Coming yeah. off a 17-goal season in the second half uh, uh, with the Flames two years ago where he was a dominant player in the second half of the season with Calgary. And it was, again, a slow start for him with uh, with Carolina this last year. And then he really got it going. I think as the offense improves in front of him, and he gets to play more, you know, with with real offensive talent with higher end guys. We're going to see those numbers blow up into the 50 60 point range and I think he's going to get the credit that he certainly I feel like he is due because I think I think he's awesome. And with just 2 years left on on his contract, I'm I'm just sitting here wondering, like, what what kind of market he ends up with. Uh, there's end up a, getting paid. There's obviously a personality issue. Yeah. Because you don't, you know, 
a 26 year old who's six foot six. He's right handed. He's 235 pounds. He's he's a monstrous human being with with outsized talent. He's incredible. And he's on his third team at age 26. So clearly there's a problem somewhere in the personality profile. But as an on ice, just as a defender, uh, as, as a hockey player, he's phenomenal. And I am I am one of his biggest fans, obviously. Uh, I think he can easily move up this list in the next couple of years uh, as as he really hits his his prime. And I expect Carolina to get better. Yeah, I I agree with the idea that he could definitely move up the list, but I definitely fall more into the category when it comes to defensemen of I'll believe the offensive ability when I see it. Yes, Dougie does have a 150-point season, but he more throughout his career so far has slotted in as a 40-point-ish guy. And I want to see more than that before I can put him in my top five. And and like you said, you're expecting more. And maybe it is there, but I just haven't seen it yet. And that's, I mean, that's fair. Uh, but I also think a, a guy that's going to give you 40 points regularly while playing among the, the elite of the elite in terms of defense and shot suppression in the entire NHL, uh, for me, that's what pushes him into the top five is I'll, I'll take losing. I'll, I'll lop off. 20 points off of my defenseman shut down play. Yeah, yeah. For, for the two way play, I'll happily do that and, and defer to my forwards because uh, how much, how much offense are you giving up with some of these other guys, you know, like a Burns or, or a Morgan Riley, yeah. uh, John Carlson, you know, these guys that are huge offensive numbers, uh, but they're, they're giving up a pretty significant amount in their own, their own direction as well. Uh, with Dougie, that's not happening. He's producing not, obviously, we're talking a guy had 39 points last year, so it's not like elite offense. But it's it's elite defense to go with really good offense. Because, I mean, you're not, you're not sitting around complaining about 40 points from a defenseman. But I can definitely see the argument where you want to see him get into the 50 points before you consider him top five. And that's... That's totally fine, uh, but for me, I'm I'm sold on him because the defense I think is so good that I yeah. will I will take that. And that's that's a perfectly fair thing to believe in. Interesting that you mentioned John Carlson. He's someone we're going to get into in our second segment because of my list. But we will save that for a minute. Head to our first break here, and we will talk to you on the other side. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway. 
full PA system ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Moe's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast coming at you with Nathan and AJ here. Before we get back into our lists, I did want to talk about some of the guys that I held off my list, particularly some of the younger guys, including Thomas Chabot. And I think you might have this guy on your list, but Seth Jones as well are two guys that just missed the list for me because of their youth. And they don't quite have that longevity of proving it. Less so with Seth Jones. I was really sad to cut him off of my list. But with Chabot, he's someone I know you love and just put up a 55-point season. But that was only his second full year in the NHL. So. You know the let's talk about the young guys for a minute because yes. I think I think two you fast forward two years and these top five lists are going to be extremely different. I agree with that. Yeah. Because uh between Thomas Shabbat, who is not on my list this time around, uh between Miro Haskinen, between um Kale McCarr, between Rasmus Dahlin, yeah, those guys all and and Ivan Provorov as well. Yep. Those are all guys. Those are five guys that you could make two years from now could be the top five. Absolutely. There's so much good young talent on defense right now in the NHL yep. uh, that it's it's funny that my list is like half old guys. Yeah, a bunch of dudes in their 30s. <laughs> so it's and, – and that's – it. you do value that track record because I was tempted to put Rasmus Dahlin in there because what he did at 18 was incredible. Yeah, forty-four point rookie. It's... And and as an eighteen-year-old, that is exceedingly rare. Yep. And also to play as good a defense as Darlene did on an on a bad bad Sabres team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all of it together. I think I think Darlene is well on his way to living up to the hype that he deserved uh, last season and. It's, you know, there's, there's, there is an alternate universe in which the Matt Duchesne trade does not include that top 10 product protection. And then Ottawa wins that lottery and the Avs get Rossman Stalin yep. instead of Bowen Byram, which would have made, would have set Colorado up to be the most dominant team for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that would have been something. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd like to, I, I, I watched into the spider verse last night. So I'd like to like peep into that alternate universe just to see world. what it looks yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Just to, just to, just to see how it goes. Like just how's that ass team doing? <laughs> but like, realistically though, like these, these guys, like this young group that we're talking about, and I'd even include Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Uh, who is, is super good. And and is a very intriguing young player in his own right. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be so much fun to watch how these kids develop over the next couple of years. We're doing. We're talking about all this, and Charlie McAvoy's name hadn't even come up. Right. 
and this is like this is what I was talking about. This there's so many defensemen that if you don't value that track record as much, especially you're going 20 deep of guys that you're begging to have on your team. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I mean, you're Zach Wierenski. Yep. You know, there's so many good young defenders in the NHL that uh, this is kind of like, for me anyway, this is like the last hurrah for, for this group that I have here. Yeah, I agree with that because <laughs> they're coming. Uh, yeah, and they're going to <laughs> they're going to tear it up, man. I I have no argument with that. I fully expect a lot of these names that we just mentioned to be in the top five come the turn of the decade. Mm-hmm. But for now, they are not. Yeah. My number and three. Oh, go ahead. You did you did mention Seth Jones. He is my three. Yeah, okay, perfect. You're, yeah. He's your number three. Mine was John Carlson, which we mentioned in the in the top of the or the end of the first segment. Uh, so definitely a little bit of a, a contrast here. Definitely give Seth Jones the edge defensively, but I do think people underrate John Carlson's defense. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people seem to think it is. I think he's solid enough there. His goal scoring has been up in the past couple of the years, which is why I have him this high. Everybody says, oh, he gets a million points passing to Ovi, which is somewhat fair, but 70 points this year, 68 last year. He's shown some consistency and ability to do that. And 15 and 13 goals is what pushed him over the edge for me. Plus a fantastic playoff run in their cup run. Carlson is awesome, man. Like he's in he, in the last couple of years, he's taken a massive step forward. Yeah. And that's certainly not to be uh, denied or argued with. I think that Dmitry Orlov bails him out a lot. Yeah. So I'm less. Again, this is and, and this is where we have differed here. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> is that I'm valuing? I'm looking at uh, a fully well-rounded game. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at a 200 foot game, and I'm I'm saying I prefer that. Like. My cutoff was basically 40 points. I want a guy that's going to give me 40 points, but elite defense. Yeah. Uh, and if he gives me 60 points and elite defense, then hallelujah. Right. But and- this was, this was, this was my guy. Uh, Carlson was another guy that was in strong consideration, but ended up as one of my. Just misses. Yeah. You had to make some yeah. serious cuts with this list. There are a lot of players that you're like, this guy is top five. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, no, I guess he's not. Yeah. And, and, uh, I say, I say Orlov. I'm a moron. He plays with Kempney, not Orlov. I knew that. <laughs> um, and I think, I think Kempney has been a perfect fit next to him. Uh, and, and I think uh, Carlson is much better than Kempney, but I think Kempney is the right kind of stabilizer. Right, fills the role that's needed. Yeah, and it's and it's really allowed Carlson to uh, blow up a little bit offensively, to to stretch those legs a little, and uh, kind of focus on that end of the game a little bit more. And that's not a criticism. That's I just think no, that that's that's how it's turned out for him, and that's one reason why I think he's had the big uh, scoring explosion the last couple of years. Uh, is that he's getting an opportunity to play a little more aggressive offensive game because he's not having to share offensive responsibilities with a different guy or a partner that's 
equally as adept with the puck. Uh, he is able to be the man, and he has been for the last couple of years for the Caps. He's he's taking a big, big step forward, and he was a guy that gave me a lot of a lot of pause in thinking about. And and I would certainly have him somewhere in my top ten. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm at with Seth Jones. He's in my top ten easily. Mm-hmm at the end of this coming season, he may well be easily in my top five. I just want to see a little bit more. He had that 57 point season came back this year with just 46. However, I, I do think that there is the, the Jones and Wierenski playing together. Yeah. I think it, it affects both of them kind of <laughs> right. Like it keeps both of them from being 60 point players. Right. Because they're spreading out some of that offense. And uh, I do think that there was, uh, for for Jones this year, it was a, a, a weird year in terms of how he got his points. Uh, yeah. There, you know, the big, there was a big dip in power play production from him. Mm-hmm. His goal scoring down significantly as well. Well, and that was the literally the difference. Yeah. He scored 16 in uh, two years ago and then nine this last year. And the big difference is he had seven power play goals last year or two years ago and zero this past season. Yeah. That's literally the difference. Exactly the difference. So it's that's the, and and his power play assists. And that's where I'm saying the Wieranski factor is, is holding some of his offense back a little bit uh, because Wieranski's also on that power play. Wieranski's running PP one. You know, he's he's a star in his own right on the blue line. Uh, he's just doing it more on the power play, and Seth Jones is doing it more at even strength. Uh, and, and you see that with Jones's more well-rounded game, is Jones can still be that guy without yeah. the, the power play time, and, and that's perfectly fair. Absolutely. So that's that's one of the only things that I would say about Seth Jones is that he might be the only guy on this list who's running PP2. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Definitely fair. We'll say he also was just an absolute stud in the playoffs. Getting a defenseman that can chip in like that and, and come up big for you is mm-hmm. is good thing to have. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna have a point per game defenseman in the postseason, man, you're gonna that's and and he's been every time that they've they've gone to the he has gone to the postseason, he's been productive. Yeah, it's. 20 points in 20 or yeah, 20 points in 27 games for him. And that includes his seasons at Nashville as well. It's you, uh, you're drooling over that. If, if you're going to the playoffs for sure, you know, he's going to help you out big time. Yeah. It's interesting that so far, I guess you had Dougie Hamilton, and yeah. Carolina made the, the Eastern Conference Finals. But most of the guys on our list so far are not on teams that I would consider contenders right now. Um, yeah. I mean, Carlson, I have Carlson on San Jose. You have Burns on San Jose. I think San Jose is still in it. They've obviously taken losses this year. But one of the reasons I think that I would say that they're still in it is because of Burns and Carlson. That's fair. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's the NHL playoffs, right? If you make the playoffs, you got a chance, but 
I, they're not any of these teams I don't consider favorites. Even the Hurricanes, to be honest, I wouldn't consider a cup favorite. Well, in me the, neither. Into the coming year. So we see a lot of these super high caliber demon on these teams that that need something more. Yeah. Which sure. is, it's interesting. I wonder if that has a bit of an effect that they need more out of their defensemen. Another guy I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute here in Nashville, they run their whole offense through their defense. And how much does that help, especially in the production category? Well, and coming off of uh, the season that they did with Nashville being absolutely atrocious on the power play, and that's because they are running it through P.K. Subban and Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis. Uh, And that's like, hey, you can't do that. It just don't work on the PP. The whole point of the man advantage, you know, 15 years ago when the slap shot was still the thing, you wanted guys that could blast him in from the point. And, hey, you still do. Yeah. It's just not the way that you go about scoring anymore on uh, on power plays. It's nice to get them, but it's it's not like the thing to do. You talk about a defenseman scoring and you're like, oh, if they get 10 goals, they're very good. Yep. They get 15 goals, they're elite. Right. It's... And you're talking 15 goals. Like, yeah. you know, like this is this is not bringing up memories of like the good old days. I think, yeah, Morgan Riley, I think, led all defensemen this year with 20. And you're looking at that and going, that's an insane number for a defenseman in this day and age to put up 20 goals. Yeah. It's just they, their job is not to put pucks in the back of the net anymore. And that's just the way the game has gone, particularly with goalies these days, whether you, whatever you want to call it, the pad size, just their tracking the puck ability. You have to be in close. You have to have a fantastic shot to get pucks into the net and beat goalies. It's just how it is. And if you have a shot that good, guess what? You're probably playing forward. Right. For sure, man. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of it. Uh, is you just don't score like that anymore. So it's with the Nash with the Nashville guys. I didn't know how to separate them. Yeah, uh, and I think that there are extremes in play with both with all of them. Yep. Uh, with Yossi, it's extremely good offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the defense leaves me wanting. And then with Ekholm, it's phenomenal offense or I'm sorry, phenomenal defense and solid offense. Yeah. So I have, and I have Ellis, I I would probably even have all three in my top 15. Yeah. uh, Because Ellis, I think is a balance between the two where he's not as good offensively as Yossi. And he's not as good defensively as that but he's still very good at both. And on any other team, he'd be their number one. Yeah, <laughs> and he's arguably the number three there, and right. and then of course with Subban last year having the the big down year that he had, yeah, uh, he he tumbled all the way out of it for me. Yeah, for sure, same. It's so. Yeah, my uh, my delegate from the from the Nashville organization was Yossi. That he's just the one that I I went with, being the captain of the team, having that offensive upside. Mm-hmm. And we talked about him a couple of shows ago, we want to see him really take that next step offensively, but he has had 60 point seasons in the past. He has a couple of 50 point seasons. 
he's the guy that reached 15 goals this past year. Yeah. Again, like the rest of my list, when that offense is there, I'm willing to overlook some of the defensive lapses. So, And that's totally cool. Yep. Did you... Did you actually pick a number two, or did you just write Nashville for your number two? <laughs> My number two is Mark Giordano. Oh, okay. Okay. That, see, that one, I don't like that one. <laughs> see, and, and this was one where the age yes, exactly. uh, is, is a major consideration, but I also told myself, I was like, look, if last season isn't going to matter that much, then what's the point of them having played it? That's true. But the season that he just had last year, I am of the opinion. It's one of the best all around defenseman seasons we've seen in a very long time because he puts up 74 points in 78 games. And he's one of the best, the absolute best defenseman in the NHL. I mean, in terms of the, the, the shot metrics and the defense and the heat maps and the shot suppression and everything else, all of the fancy stats are so, so heavily in his favor. It was a truly dominant wire-to-wire performance from Geo last year. And maybe it's a little rich rewarding him with the second spot on my list because I don't necessarily think he repeats a career year at age 36. Uh, you know, he's, he's 74 points was a huge step up from his career high, which was 56 points. I mean, 56 points is a great year. And he blew that out of the water last year with an unreal season, 74 points in 78 games, but combined it with truly elite defense. And I'm saying, you know, this is the one where I'm leading into the recency bias. And I'm saying, I don't care that he had 38 points and 39 points in the two years before he's been a 40 ish. And if you average all it, all of it out, it's probably like a 40. He's probably like a 45 point guy. Uh, over the last like six years and his defense has been stellar in that time just absolutely phenomenal and I think that he's also the captain he's uh he's a do everything you know every single situation every single everything for this organization for for Calgary I'm I you couldn't I mean the face he's one of the faces of their franchise next to 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 Gaudreau. Uh, he's again, every situation he plays and he plays huge minutes and they lean so heavily on him to be a dominant player. And last year he responded in a way that I don't think we've seen out of a, out of a player in a very long time, both offensively and defensively. I mean, the guy won a Norris. You can't argue with that. Can you? He could have, he could have won two years worth of Norris's. In this year, alone. <laughs> this last season, because it was that dominant of a performance, and and it truly was. I, if you're looking strictly at, at last year, he should one thousand percent be in your top five. I just really worry about the longevity there. I do too. I have, I have put some old guys are my top five, but I I'm not as worried about them continuing to be productive members of their team going forward with Geo. I, there's no way he puts up another 70 point season. I I think if that would if he does that, then you know I'll be eating a whole lot of crow. But I I think he goes back to the the 38, 39, 40 point player that he was, and that's another guy for me that 
yes, he's probably in the top 10, but that's not quite enough for the top five, even with his, his extremely strong defense. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not punishing a guy for what hasn't happened yet. And that's fair. And that's, that's really my big thing with the overlooking the age and just saying as of today, given the season he just had as of right now, he would be my second best D in the NHL. I, I'm not going to argue with that. I, I think he, there's definitely a valid argument there. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get drafted this weekend in our in our GM draft. Yeah. Uh, because the 35 years old thing, of course, right. gives you pause. It's, it sure does. It, with three years left on the deal as well. Again, didn't include contracts relative to this podcast, but when it comes to the draft, that is something that matters. Okay, so that is going to wrap up segment two for us here. Do have to pay a couple of bills quick before we get out of here and talk about number one. So starting with 30, that's right. 30, 30, 30, dirty 30. Total Beverage is giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. Use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, you don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. Cheers. With that, we'll head into segment three and the top defenseman in the league. Catch you in a minute. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, looking at the top D in the NHL. AJ, number one was a really easy choice for me. I guessing you have the same guy, but let's hear it. I've got Headman. Yep. Okay. I thought so. So do I. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one where even when I looked at the defense and I was like, oh, it's it's not as good as I thought it would be, knowing how he plays for that team and and watching them in the postseason without him was yep. very educational. It gave you an idea of just how important he is to their success. Right. Yeah, I I do think he makes a, a massive difference for a team that is ridiculously stacked as far as, as forward production goes. And Yeah, I, I mean, think he's... he's- He's more important to them succeeding uh, than Kucherov is. Yeah. I, Just I think you could, you could take any one of the forwards and you could say he's more important than them. Exactly. Because he does something unique that the rest of the team doesn't get done. Yep. And he does still put up very good offensive numbers, feeding those forwards as well. Gold scoring did took a little bit of a downturn this season, but he's still at 12. So if 12 is a downturn in goal scoring, you're doing just fine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Hedman is just, I mean, he's only a couple years removed from a 70 point season. Right. And he's only one year removed from winning the Norris. It's, 
and and he battled he's he battled a lot of injury issues last year and still put up a 54 point year right he's incredible he's amazing to watch uh there are times anecdotally where i've watched them and i've i've seen him get walked mm-hmm. and then he recovers and he makes a fantastic play and i'm like well all right you're like well the point was not to not to give up a quality scoring chance and although it looked like that was going to happen he recovered and now we're now we're fine it's not a big deal have to look pretty yeah yeah so it's um i'm for me this wasn't when i sat down i was like oh my god who's on this list and it was like well it's got to be headman and then where do i go from there and the rest of my list changed a lot Pretty much. This morning as I as I was working through it and I was because uh, off the top of my head, my list was not good. <laughs> and then I thought I got to I got to a list where I was comfortable. The top five that I put out here where descending opinions are totally fine. But um, ultimately, this is how I feel about it. This is the kind of defense that I would build. Uh, but it's. <laughs> I I think there's a pretty significant amount of distance between Hedman and everybody else right now. Yeah, I I agree. It's he's the clear cut number one to me as well. I my list changed a lot as well. The only other guy I was dead set on in the top five was John Carlson, which I know a lot of people aren't, but I'm a I guess I'm a bit of a fanboy of Carlson. So we all have those guys, right? Yeah. Like mine is Dougie, right? Like that's the guy that like I will straight cut somebody to defend (laughs) when it comes to how good he is when it comes to anything else it's like you know i don't know him personally i can't speak to what he's like you know in the locker room or whatever uh but just when it comes to how good he is on the ice like that's the guy i'm like i straight shank you (laughs) yeah and (laughs) and and these are the guys that we're like fanning out about and then there's just headman head and shoulders above them by a mile. Right. Where it was like, it was like, okay, well, this is really who are your favorite defensemen. And then Victor headman. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because he, he really is that guy that for me, who made a list of, of offensive leaning defensemen, headman is, is the difference mm. there. He does have the offense, but he absolutely has the defense as well. I know you said, wasn't as good as you expected it to be, but it's still very, very high end. It was, it was, I mean, again, this is a guy that plays every situation, does yep. everything. Uh, and not, it's not irrelevant that he is awesome on the PK. Yeah. I don't really have any argument against that. So. <laughs> Like his his PK work is better than his even strength work by a lot, and he's still a really good even strength player. So for me, I'm like, hell yeah, that's what I want. Like and, that's and then and then oh by the way, he's yeah. just a fifty point guy. Even when he's even when he spends all year battling injuries and uh, not even playing at the at the level that we're accustomed to, still drops a fifty point season on the NHL. Well, and, and being 6'6", 225 doesn't hurt either. Players that big just kind of have a presence about them, don't they? Yeah, well, and, and can do everything. Is a, is a great skater and 
uh, reads the game at a, an extremely high level. He is, <laughs> he's the man. Yep. Went second overall for a reason, I guess, would be the. Uh... Yeah. And talk about a crazy draft when you look back on it. Like, not only yeah. was it good for the abs, but the whole top of that draft class. Wild. Has been really good. Like, they've all had good careers. The top you know? seven, yeah. To, you had Tavares and uh, Hedman and Duchesne in, as the three. And then even after that, you know, teams were still crushing it. Evander Kane, Braden Shen, OEL, and Kadri. Yeah. And then, of course, there was Dallas. Where... Yeah. Well, 8, 9, and 10 are all pretty yikes. And then Ryan Ellis goes 11. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and DeHaan goes 12. Yeah. And whether, you know, Cassian and Kulikov have had long, productive careers, although not befitting first-rounders. No. You know, Nick Letty was also Chris Kreider, John Moore. Yep. Pretty, um, pretty Marcus deep. Johansson, Kyle Palmieri. Couple of these guys in here, you feel bad for because uh, injuries. Yeah, you know, Simone Dupre was a guy who was, looked like he was going to have a great career. Completely derailed that. And yeah. yeah, and well, and then you look at Jared Cowan, same same kind of thing. A guy that was a was a franchise caliber defenseman, and then in his draft year, blows out his knee. Just couldn't really skate ever again. <laughs> yeah, well, and then he had he had hip problems. Yep. Basically the entire time after that and never got right, never got healthy. And, you know, the last we saw of him was here. Yep. And a PTO. Yeah. And I will never forget sitting next to, to Dater uh, at those training camps and listening to him try and talk himself into it. Because you do. Like, it was the same thing with me trying to talk myself into Miranov. Where you're like, oh, well, there's these circumstances and these circumstances. And sometimes you're just forgetting that what the guy's doing on the ice is just really not impressive. I, I just don't know if I've ever tried to talk myself into a PTO. It's just never a good idea. Well, and the thing is, like, you you try not to, you know, like, Jack Skilly was great. Yeah, I guess that's true. He's about the one. I guess Renee Bork turned out okay because the rest of the team was terrible. But I mean, Gabe Bork was better than Rennie Bork. Gabe Bork was uh, at least like gave them something. Yeah. And then obviously it didn't end well. Like it, it ended with like it being like, okay, well, this is clearly your worst player. Yeah. But that was way more of a result of the Avs getting significantly better around him than him getting worse as a player. The Avs got a lot better. I mean, that guy came in on a PTO and easily won a job. That's how different it was. I, uh, and I wrote I wrote that article a couple weeks ago about what it was like two years ago, and 21 of those guys that played for the Avs that year, 21 guys who played for the Avs in that 48-point team are no longer in the league. Right, and... I guess I get it to some extent because a couple of years ago, the Avs prospect cap cupboards were just barren, but in a better world, any spot you're giving to a PTO, unless it's a very strange situation, seems like it's one you should be giving to an AHL experienced prospect instead to me. If, if you have that. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is that's that's why I really didn't have that a couple of years ago. Well, and that's the a, a massive difference. And this is actually 
we're totally off topic here, but this is actually a great topic of conversation. It is. Yeah. Uh, is that Colorado's organizational depth? You know, we talk about all the the frustrations with development and like the Lindholm thing yesterday. Well, they have a, a guy like Lindholm that is now buried. Yep, that's their own draft pick. The only good draft pick they made in 2014, <laughs> and he's buried because your organizational depth has gotten so much better from the NHL all the way down into the AHL that now you're looking at that guy. And just a couple of years ago, you would have been like, what's wrong with Anton Lindholm? Right. And now yeah. you're like, Anton Lindholm, are you serious? He doesn't need to be like, on this team. At our, all. <laughs> the standards around here have come way up because yeah. the talent has meteoric rise almost. Yeah. I Defensemen mean, especially with Makar and Byram and even guys like Malosh and Timmins. It's just, the bar is so high now. Yeah, it. I mean, it's it, it's gotten that way where we're looking at Nikita Zadorov as a third pairing guy long term. Yeah, like the the ABS are you know realistically today the ABS are looking at uh, Zadorov, Comfort, Donskoy as the three likeliest players in my opinion that they lose in the expansion draft. And a couple of years ago, Comfort and Zadorov were key pieces locks to keep like, yeah like linchpins not like oh these are you know these are going to be stars for us but just like these were guys you had to have because what else did you have in your organization right now the idea of losing one of them you're like okay well if you lose jt comfort then you know theoretically you could replace him as a center uh, with with cam and ever bowers and as a wing uh with martin Cout. And I just I just replaced him with two first round picks and a second round pick. <laughs> you know, yeah. like 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 high pedigree prospects here, not guys where you're just like, well, they play the same position, so we could just you know, it's not it's it's more set and forget than that because of the talent that's that has increased around it. It's uh, it's incredible how a, a little bit of depth makes players so much more expendable all of a sudden. <laughs> It does, and I, you know, I, I don't know how to tie that back into Victor Hedman being the best defenseman in the NHL, but uh, I do, I do think it's, you know, I we got derailed. Got we didn't really have a lot to say other than Hedman is the best, and then high five each other. You can you can tie it back into Hedman because Anton Strallman left Tampa Bay. Yeah, which means somehow. Either Tampa's going to need some some new blood to step up, or they might have to lean on Hedman even more, which is ridiculous. I think between Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, and, and Chernak, they're fine. Like, their top four is going to be okay. Um, all these other guys, like we I've previously talked about, you know, Braden Coburn, I think will be a lot better in a limited role. Yeah. Uh, Cal Foote is coming. And uh, I've long been a Matt, Matt Spencer fan, although I don't think anybody else is so it's not a big deal <laughs> but i think i think they'll be okay um it's just that they no longer have that depth right you're no longer looking at that defense like what in the world yeah it's it they... is interesting of those guys of of all of the guys that they have on their defense uh because I, I i know the abs get flack for this too sometimes 
but of of all those guys, uh, only two of them were drafted by Tampa. Yeah, they... in in Hedman and Luke Witkowski, and Witkowski even left and came back. Right, so he they... only sort of counts. They've done a, a very good job building that decor through other means, be it free agency or, or trades in the case of McDonough. Yeah. And well, and then you look at their well, forward and core and it's like the, the whole thing is yeah, wrong. That that thing is is just dumb. <laughs> I I think the whole thing really is like basically yeah. all of it is homegrown. And, and you look at like they traded Druan for Sergachev, so they have so much homegrown talent up there that they're mm-hmm. they're turning it into a defense for themselves. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the ten forwards that they have listed, uh, twelve forwards they have listed on cap friendly. Every single one of those guys was either uh, a Tampa Bay draft pick or an undrafted guy that they signed. Oh, what a world! What a world that would be. That's actually insane. Yeah, I that that really is something that it's got to be a, unbelievably rare in in modern NHL to have a completely drafted or signed forward core of yeah. all guys that have been RFAs coming up through your system. <laughs> yeah, twelve players that are completely homegrown. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. And even that team doesn't have a cup. <laughs> so. Right. Right. A great reminder that winning a cup is freaking difficult. Yeah. It's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you can build the best team in the world. Like we're going to try to do on Saturday and yeah. it comes playoff time. And sometimes it just doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, the playoffs is just a different world. Yep, Anything really can happen is. in a seven-game series because you're not – you know, a team like Tampa Bay is built to shred the in regular. the regular season yeah. because they're just going to be better than everybody. But even Tampa Bay has problems. They have holes. Yep. And certainly they had bad luck with Hedman having the injury issues that he did in that first-round series last year. Uh, but it's at the same time, like, if removing one guy from your lineup has that dramatic of an impact – Right. You know, you've spent all this time and all this development and all this money building this powerhouse roster, you know, with a with a rogue one like fault in it. <laughs> you know, like oh one one tricky little piece here, you know, you 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 go clubbing and you kneecap the right player, bam, you know, you can House <laughs> you know cards comes down. Right, yeah. exactly. The you know, the the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding thing. <laughs> Why? Oh, dude, that video is hard to watch. Every oh man, I haven't watched I Tanya yet, but I, I'm I'm going to one of these days, and it's still one of the craziest like sports yeah. scandals to think about because because like you make insane. jokes about it, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna hire somebody like kneecap that girl, and she okay, there there's, there's my spot. <laughs> Not just somebody, her boyfriend, <laughs> and it was well. <laughs> okay. Should, should immediately bounce out of this before I say All right, something yeah. inappropriate. Definite, definitely off the rails now. So we'll we'll get out of this podcast before it's too late. That's a good idea. Uh, 
once again, the draft will be broadcast live in one way or another on Saturday. I believe we have all of our, our members set up at this point. There might be a couple of last minute invites coming out to people, depending on if people yeah. can make it or not. We've had two cancellations today. So I'm, I'm looking, I've sent out more uh, to try and fill those spots We're we're down to, we're down to three now. All right. Well, there you go. A couple more invites out there. So if you signed up, be sure to check your inboxes, all of that. And hopefully if we can get you guys in by the end of today, we will assign teams and draft position for those that are in there. So get ready to to start planning your draft strategy. And I can certainly tell you that uh, a fantasy-esque draft of every player in the NHL would be quite game-changing. So it's time to talk about some game-changing coffee. Strivercraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pains, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, it's done it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you can get it shipped straight to your door there we go that is gonna do it for this wednesday episode of the bsn avalanche podcast and you will hear from us again tomorrow